Where do you plan on getting Texas results on election night? Talking about races for the state house in Austin, the state Senate, Texas congressional seats, etc. If you don't yet know, we're putting together a big election special. We have reporters across the state. We have expert analysis in studio. You can watch it all on TV. Just download the WFAA Plus app on Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire. WFAA and then the plus sign. You'll find it there. Live coverage starts at 645 just before polls close. We have a lot in store for you that night, so hope you can join us for that. y'all this is where texas politics gets interesting here again are two guys named jason some great guests and cold texas beer for another smart conversation on yolitics the unofficial political podcast of texas all right everybody we are back for another week of yolitics why are you looking at me like that? i'm excited because you are wired for this i am it, not it, wired you, if, if you saw our coverage from, uh, from Iowa, from Des Moines, from the caucuses, Wheeler came in on the final episode we did that night, just guns blazing, ready to go. He was like bouncing off the walls. It was midnight when we recorded that. You know what it was, is I was excited about finally leaving the next day, uh, the deep freeze behind. Iowa is a, it's a great place. It really is. The people there are very nice and it, et cetera, et cetera. But it was just way too cold and I was excited. Well, you probably can't see this on the camera there, but Wheeler's just like rubbing his leg. He's like waiting to get into it. He's just, he's just amped. Well, you know, um, I think it, what it what's was going is on, uh, you, you guys got me triggered right before we did this <laughs> because we started talking about, you know, cell phones and turning them off and the ringers and those yeah. smart watches that are constantly dinging you. And that's one of my favorite topics to just, you know, cell rant phones. about. Yeah. So if, if you know, if, uh, we'll hand out Wheeler's cell phone on another episode, his cell phone number. <laughs> but it, it will do you no good because when you call, when I call, when anybody calls it, it goes straight to voicemail. Like, you know, half a ring and it goes straight to voicemail. Okay. Yeah. Usually no ring and it goes straight yeah. to and voicemail. And then who calls back right away? I do. Because you know what? I resolved a long time ago that I was going to turn that thing down because it was constantly going off because of people like you abusing it. And the thing <laughs> is, right, Jessica? <laughs> the shade it, here. Yeah, right, it, it, right. A lot of shades coming. But the thing is, is I know I'm going to look at this phone. And I do. I'm going to look at this phone about 2,000 times every day. I'm probably going to miss somebody by 30 or 45 seconds seconds if I miss them. And so I'm going to get back. L- let's get into our guest. Jessica Huzman's here with us again. Welcome Hello. back. She's can, the yeah. editorial can we make director. the whole uh, episode about this? Yeah, we can. <laughs> about your phone? Have me back anytime. Because she agrees. She thinks, absolutely agree. she thinks smart watches are the problem. Oh, smart watches. You think smartphones are the problem. Because they're constantly going off. And they're touch- it's like they're they're attached to you, yeah. right? Like you can't, you right. just put your phone down and walk away. See, I, like, oh, oh, I, I, can manage, I can manage my watch and my phone here. I, I'm not like well, shutting off society. You need to be sitting at a different table yeah did this you, is anxiety yeah right well, it is did you have coffee this morning Wheeler? i you know what i did i had a, a venti coffee but i had ice in it this time i usually don't get the ice so it's 12 17 when we're recording this right now and if you can see like wheeler's fingers just like i think it's because he's rubbing his leg are you hungry, hungry. Yep. Well, well, let's go ahead so what are we having here what are we having jessica what are you having i'm having the Aquarius IPA. I am, as you know, a big fan of IPAs. And also, I'm an Aquarius, so it felt... I was going to ask. Are you really? I am. Okay. It's just my birthday, like last weekend. Oh, so happy birthday to me. Happy Thank late birthday. Yeah. Very apropos. Yeah. 
Oh, what are you having? I'm having a jersey. It's a J-E-R-Z-Y. And I was told a story about this. It's got a great story. T- tell me the story. The story I is... I recollect it was a good story. The, I just can't remember. It's a sis- lager. The sisters who run Celestial Brewing, which is where we at, are at right now in the medical center area of Dallas, uh, their, I believe it was their grandfather right. was a Holocaust survivor. From Poland. Yes. And yeah. his name was uh, Jerry, I think. And uh, I, I, for some reason, they called him Jersey. Uh, and this one is brewed in his honor. I hope I did not mess that up, but uh, I think that that's roughly the contours that's of good, it. Man. Uh, and 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 an iconic guy. Uh, last I knew was somewhere in his 90s, late 90s. Yeah. Uh, but has what a cool dude. What a story, yeah. and, and what a great tribute to to Granddad. You and what, know? what are you drinking? Uh, I am having uh, this one was out of a can. It's called the Tailgating Challenge. It was a Super Bowl uh, beer that they did here. We're after the Super Bowl, but that's fine. It's still drinks Still well uh, and it's a dry hopped lager wow i'm surprised you don't have the blackberry lemonade uh i thought about it but i just didn't want to be teased mercilessly so here <laughs> we are happy birthday jessica thank yeah, you yeah happy belated yeah. uh so um uh, jason started to say that you're with vote beat uh and then i cut him off uh rudely um it, Tell people what VoteBeat is for people who don't know. Yeah, absolutely. VoteBeat is a nonprofit newsroom that covers elections and voting in four states, but soon five. So we are in Texas. We have a fabulous reporter here. I am in Texas, obviously. I'm sitting here with you. And we are also in Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, Arizona, and we will very soon be in Wisconsin. Ooh, wow. That's going to be interesting. Pretty exciting. Um, so those five states keep us, uh, as, as you might imagine, pretty busy. Because there's so much going on with elections and election infrastructure in those states. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why we picked them, right? Like we wanted to... Um, we wanted to have kind of a newsroom that allowed journalists to only focus on this one thing in these states. And so we are sort of like a national newsroom with very local reporters who hmm. each live in those states. And so we edit and support them and fundraise for them nationally, but their work is very localized. Um, and so we're really tapped into hmm. election weirdness across the country. We're writing the weirdest stories. 2024 is already off to hmm. a heck of a... Here we are, mid February. It's already. I know, I know. It's been a long year. Well, this is your Super Bowl this year here too. And and if people want to 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 follow your stories, they can go to votebeat.org. Yes. In Texas, you guys publish a lot of stories in the Texas Tribune. We do. And you Mm -hmm. just had a big story in the Philadelphia Inquirer. We did. Yeah, we published a story about a researcher. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, We published a story about a researcher named Heather Honey, which is an excellent name. I love that name. Um, and she is sort of the academic mind behind the departure from Eric, which I know we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. for a lot of states. And so our Pennsylvania reporter spent the last couple of months um, while I sort of like yelled at him, like editors do, um, <laughs> redoing all of her analysis, which took, it was a 29-page report that she put out convincing yeah. states they should make this bad choice. And she put out all of this research justifying it, and we read it all of her conclusions and found that... The, it was just like basic math errors but, and But in the meantime, a, a lot of mm-hmm. states actually left Eric. Eric yeah, is not a did. guy's name. It's, it's an it's acronym. It's the Electronic yeah. Registration Information Center. And we'll let, we'll let oh. Jessica explain what that is. That's pretty impressive. That, that is. is. Yeah. I had it on notes here. <laughs> that venti coffee is really paying off for you right it's kicking now. kicking in right now. 100%. <laughs> um, but but let, let's get into Eric. A bunch of states ended up leaving uh, Texas is one of those. And the irony here is that after the 2020 election, Republicans 
talked a lot and mimicked what uh, Donald Trump said about election integrity. Make sure we have safe and secure elections. Well, Eric was one of those mechanisms that actually did that. It made sure that Wheeler is not registered at his vacation home in Colorado. Yeah. And registered in Texas, so he can't vote in two places. That's essentially what it is, right? That is exactly what it is. Um, I think a lot of people have this interpret, like this understanding that the government just like knows where you are all the time, and so if you move, then they'll just remove you from the voter roll. Like right. that is not how it works, right? You have to do that yourself. But most people don't, right? Like most people move, and they get around to changing their voter registration when an election comes up. Or if right? they die, their family doesn't remember to. Oh, you know what? We need to tell somebody that they're remove dead and they need to be the removed. Voter. Exactly. And so states can use this data sharing program called ERIC um, and share information with each other. And so they get the entire voter roll. So not just what's publicly available to like you and I, if we request it, but like email addresses, full addresses, middle names, like full birthdays. And they're matching voter rolls with other states on all of those criteria. So it's a very strong match. We've had like previous iterations of this that only matched on, for example, first name, last name, and birthday. You would be shocked at how many people share your first name and your (laughs) last name and your birthday, like actually shocked. Um, There's studies about this. It's like, it's very, very common. Hmm. Um, So false matches with little bit of data are not very strong but matches that was eric was using were really strong because not only were they using the whole voter roll they were also using the entire dmv database for all of these states wow. so they had access to in-state movers out-of-state movers they got the social security death data every year so they had they were able to compile a lot of data and share it with the states in a really effective and efficient way and this has an actual i mean this is tangible what this does even here in texas didn't they get word that you know something like 200,000 people needed to be taken off yeah the they did yeah absolutely rolls? so texas just joined eric um Right before it left, right? We were only really in ERIC for a year. And the reason that we are in ERIC is because there is a law on the books in Texas that says we have to participate in an information sharing program. Mm -hmm. And that was this program called Crosscheck, which was one of those bad ones that only matched on first and last. And so Texas got the data. It was required to by law. But like the Secretary of State's office will tell you themselves that they just didn't use it at all because it wasn't useful. Um, So Crosscheck went away, and that law still exists, so we had to do something. And so Eric was the alternative, and it is significantly better um, for all of the reasons that I described. But then it was sort of taken down by a right-wing information misinformation campaign mm. in a really shocking and effective way. And so the, the whole idea here is to make sure the voter rolls stay clean, that, yeah. that if Wheeler's actually moved to Colorado or somewhere else, that someone's not voting in his name here in Texas Absolutely. also, so two people aren't voting. Uh, the, the irony here, I think, is that here we are going into 2024, another presidential election year, and Texas right now does not have a way to make sure no. that the voter rolls are clean. But now, wait, you what? just saw that we have a law. You just said that we have a law here that says that we have to have a system like this. So this state is breaking, its own, breaking its, its own law. law. We're yeah. breaking our own law here. Yeah, I mean, unless they have a program in place that I'm not aware of. They don't. Right? I okay. just checked yesterday. Well, then no. very I checked good. Today. Um, yeah. So, no. And, and, you know, I think um, this was not this was not supposed to be the way that it went. Right. So. Our elections director in Texas was this guy named Keith Ingram for a long time. At the Secretary of State's office. At the Secretary of State's office. Mm -hmm. He's the one who sort of like, the secretary is like, you know, the big honcho. He was in charge of elections. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was very competent. You could ask him what was on page 37 of the Texas election code. He could probably tell you, like that sort of thing. 
And he was sort of forced out largely over this issue, right? Like he was really agitating against the people who wanted Texas to leave Eric and saying like, that is irresponsible. It like, we will not be able to clean our voter rolls. And eventually it got him forced out. They temporarily reassigned him within that office to be in charge of creating an alternative. Um, and then he left that too. So Just now no one is, is doing that at the Texas To put Secretary a finer point on this though, we, we left something we without having something to go to. So, you know, this is like if you've got a lot of bills that you pay every month, you need your paycheck, and you decide, you know what, I'm tired of working here. I'm going to stop my job. I'm going to quit today. But I have not even begun the process of applying or even seeing what's out there. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, the, the hard truth is that there is nothing like this. There's nothing else yeah. like this. And so the there have been these like weird little efforts across the country like well really in the south like eagle ai is something that a guy in georgia is trying to build um that he will tell you is better than eric it is not better than eric right like anything that uses less data than what eric is using definitionally cannot be better than it so Hmm. you know he's trying really hard to sell that to people across the country and um Brian Hughes is one of the people he has spoken senator, to, the senator, senator in, yeah. in Texas. And so he was one of the people, like Brian Hughes was one of the most influential folks in getting us out of Eric. Um, and a lot of the facts that he spread about Eric were were just flat fabrications um, and, and based on data that was... So alternative facts. Alternative, yeah, let's go with that. Alternative facts. So I I think at one point uh, you guys had a quote from uh, Senator Hughes, in fact, saying, you know, uh, it's not that Eric did anything wrong. I'm I'm paraphrasing here. It's not that Eric did anything wrong, uh, but we just found that the people who run it do not uh, meet our, quote, worldview. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, I think it's a pretty thinly veiled political attack, right? Like, but these are spreadsheets. Oh, these- they are. They are spreadsheets. But here's here here is the root the root like little pimple that is festering <laughs> in in this party. Okay, so in 2021, Gateway Pundit comes out with a series of articles about Eric. Uh, Gateway Pundit is like this right wing rag um, mm-hmm. and like conspiracy theories window to wall and they said eric is registering thousands of ineligible voters it is a democratic voter registration scheme and we know that because look at all of these people they're registering but the data that they're using to show this is false like it's 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 just not true at all so eric never registered anybody no it doesn't register anyone so what it does is it tells the state hey here are the voters we think that you should clean from the rolls, right? Like we think that these people are double registered. We think there's an error, but it also says, given the day we have, here are voters in your state that are eligible, but not registered, send a mailer to them so that they know that they should register to and vote. And who knows what they could be. They could be Democrats, they Republicans, Democrats, independents, nothing in between. But that itself is not putting someone on the voter roll. Like in order right. for that voter to then be on the voter roll, they would have to respond to that postcard, go through right. the same steps that everybody else has to go through and meet all of the registration requirements. And Eric was set up to do all of those things from the very beginning. From the and very this, beginning. And this was set up by elections officials in different states, Republican and Democrat. So it's not like, you know, you had a group come in that leaned one way only and set this up, correct? Right. So it was an initial group of seven states, basically evenly split, red and 
and blue. It has essentially maintained its bipartisan structure until the last couple of years when a lot of red states exited because of this misinformation. Mm. Um, And so I think that the people who think about Eric a lot and are concerned about the state of our voter rolls are are concerned that because the, the, the more states that leave Eric, the least the less useful it is, right? Yeah. So, for example, most out of state voters that like live in New York move to Florida, but Florida is not participating in mm. Eric anymore, and so New York's participation in Eric becomes dramatically less useful. Um, Texas isn't participating, and so. New Mexico's becomes significantly less useful. So does Arizona because well, here, that's where that's where they're going. Well, this builds upon itself, though. This kind of momentum, too. I reached out to the Secretary of State's office here. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday, by the way. Uh, I think we drop it on Sunday, but it, we're recording it on a Thursday. I reached out to them on Wednesday. They told me uh, as fewer and fewer states participated, Texas would have paid more for less data. So they were talking about that less data that you were talking about because states have pulled out, but Texas is now one of those states that has pulled out. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that if enough of us, I think there were eight other Republican-led states uh, since 2022 uh, that had pulled out. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It it, it almost undermines the whole network when a lot of you leave. And then some people start to say, well, part of the reason we're leaving is because we have less data, but we have less data because we're leaving. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And and you know, the, the, the obligation to get the data that Eric was giving hasn't gone away, right? Like, I think that people think that government data is this like tidy thing that you can just like stick a jump drive in a computer, walk away with it. Like all all the answers are there. It's nice and tidy. That's not at all how government data works. And so transporting and using government data effectively is a massive, massive job. It takes an incredible amount of server space. It takes an incredible amount of technological understanding. Eric was essentially providing that on behalf of the entire country, right? And these offices that are that are having to make these calls are county elections offices. I don't know if the listeners have been to theirs, right? But this is not like the most high-tech professional place. Like these folks are not like running their systems using open AI, right? Like this is this is low down stuff. And so, you know, having a entity that was reliably doing this with reliable data in a in a like secure and transmittable way that was like bipartisanly approved by two. So this is a huge step forward in election security and election integrity. Um, and it's wild to see it it just dissolve like this. People don't realize that the counties across the country mm-hmm. run elections. Uh, last summer, Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins says he was not told me he was not very confident that our voter rolls would be clean this year. What is at stake now that Texas is out of Eric and that we're in an election year? Right, absolutely. You know, I think this is a year that it's really important for election administrators to have clean rolls. And like, there are talking points reasons that that's true. It's obviously true that clean voter rolls ensure voter integrity, right? Like for all of the reasons that that your listeners have probably heard all the time. But it also means that like right now is when election administrators are trying to figure out where polling locations are, trying to figure out how many polling locations they need, trying to figure out how many ballots to print. Like this is an incredible logistics process that costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so if you've got 4,000 extra voters on the roll, right? Like that is a resource problem and that Mm -hmm. becomes a taxpayer problem. And so 
less accurate data means less accurate elections. That's just the reality of the situation. Well, isn't there an irony here, too, though, after all of this talk about voter integrity and, and you know, stopping voter fraud? This primary that we're about to go into, isn't this, couldn't it be considered the least secure election that Texas has had in years because there is no system in place right now that is safeguarding the roles, the yeah, voter roles? you know, I mean, I, I think that this definitely makes voting less good in Texas. I like I, I would hesitate to say it's like an actual it's like a security problem, but it's definitely an information and resource problem. Um, so, you know, I think that we've taken a really big step back as a state. We were only in Eric for 12 months. We got, I think, two polls from Eric data. That's not a lot to get your voter rolls in order. Like, it's not like we were in Eric. Now our rolls are spiffy and super clean. We're going to leave Eric. We'll find something else. Like, that's not. Even with those two polls, though, you guys previously reported that Eric in 2022 helped Texas to identify 100,000 in-state duplicate voters and another 100,000 duplicates of people who moved in or out of the state. Just in two polls, this state found 200,000 people, yeah. not necessarily who you know shouldn't be on the rolls, but who sh we should investigate that and make sure. They show up right. twice in two states, yeah. yeah. Right, and then that's not like totally abnormal, right? You move, sure. you register, sure. you're registered in two places. Not crazy, but you do need to remove those people from the rolls so you know where they're going. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that Republicans have really shot themselves in the foot here. I, you know, they're, they're, they want to talk to you about dead voters. They want to talk to you about duplicate registration. They want to talk to you about out-of-state voters. Like, this is the system we use to get those people off how, the How accurate are the voter rolls right now in Texas, do you think? Not very. And what does that mean come November? Um, what it means come November is a couple of things. So most, like, a lot of people will find themselves going to the wrong polling location um, and being asked to cast a provisional ballot because they're not on the rolls, that ballot will probably be rejected because they're not appropriately registered, right? Um, for example, our our Texas reporter, Natalia Contreras, who uh, became a naturalized citizen last year, uh, it took her three tries to register to vote. They, it, there was a social security mismatch, even though she wrote her social security number down correctly at her naturalization ceremony. So she didn't get registered there. She tried to register in person, still didn't go through, tried to register again. This is a voting reporter, right? Like this is a reporter who reports on this stuff for a living, hmm. right? She has a better understanding of Texas election law than probably wow. everyone. And it, it took her three tries to register to vote. And, and so Texas is is backdated in so many ways. Like we do not have online voter registration. We're only one. We're only one of six states that doesn't. And so when you add together lack of, you know, appropriate data collection, like because we're not directly typing things in, it's somebody at the office like typing your right. social security number in for you uh, on it from a handwritten piece of paper. Yeah. All of these things add together to mean that Texas's voter rolls are much, much less sophisticated than the voter rolls in other states. Well, Texas has all these people moving to the state constantly. Absolutely. Over the last year, hundreds of thousands of people have probably moved here. On election day itself and in early voting come November, you think people are going to have issues because of they might show up twice? No, or, I don't know or, that they'll show up twice. Or not show I, up at all i think that they might i think that they're going to either show up twice or they'll show up and they'll be they'll they'll think that they're registered at an address that they're not actually registered at right and so because they've not received the notifications because the state has not been doing outreach because the state hasn't been inactivating their their registration from another place they might go to the wrong polling location mm. right wow. or it may be that they attempted to register and like 
it just never went through. So like we have a two-part problem here. There's, there is a, our voter rolls are bad because of the way that we put data into them, right? We like type by hand things that we've written down on a piece of paper. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now we are also out of Eric. So it means that all of the cleanup that would happen later isn't gonna happen. Mm. So we have like mess in, mess out, and it's just a mess. Uh, I will give a little bit of credit to the Secretary of State's office because I have a family member who moved uh, from one county to another here in Texas, and they just got a, a, a letter from the Secretary of State's office saying, hey, our records indicate you have moved to such and such county, so we've canceled your voter registration in the first county, and it's now only in that second county. So they caught that to their credit. That's just a personal story there. Uh, but you wonder how many... When did he move? Um, this was uh, years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. How many? Uh, what? Three years? Four okay. years ago, uh, the move occurred, and the, the letter just came. But, so. but that was and within Texas, came, though, right? The letter came yes. because of Eric. Yes. Oh, okay. The letter That's came because of Eric. Um, Even if it was a recent letter. Yeah, because ah. so it takes the counties a long time to process the data that Eric gives them. Okay. It's, it's huge, and they don't do anything immediately as a result of it. They go individually, voter by voter by voter, and verify mm. that what Eric sure. said is true. So it may have been that, makes that sense. they gave him, they were like, oh, he moved three years ago. Here it is. And it's taken them six months, eight months to get around to verifying him and making that change. That makes sense then because, and I misspoke, it wasn't from the Secretary of State, it was from the county saying, hey, we noticed this, so we've taken you off of that. Uh, So that may have been one of those 200,000 people that Eric said, hey, uh, I see two of these in your state, check on that. That is exactly probably, I would would bet money that that's the case. But all that family member in the 200,000. You do, look at you. But all that that stopping though, right? Yeah, it's all stopping. It's all already done. It's all already done, right? Like we've, we've removed ourselves from Eric. So let me ask you this. Uh, I, I, I saw this report that you all did in on July 20th of 2023. So, <laughs> you know, we're now what, six months out from yeah. that. Okay. So on July 20th of 2023, uh, you all spoke with a representative at the Secretary of State's office here in Texas, and they told you that the office is, quote, still researching options for what to go to after Eric. Okay. So I asked the Secretary of State's office yesterday, again, this is six months down the line, hey, do you guys uh, have something yet? There is nothing in place yet. They answered me uh, that we uh, are continuing to look into options. We're six months down the road and we're still getting the same answer that we were getting six months ago. But there there are no options though. There are no options. Yeah, there are no other options. There are no other options. Continue to look into options. Well, I mean, yeah, it's sort of like saying, oh, like I'm going to continue to look at my options for adopting a Siberian tiger pet. Like that just doesn't, it's not a thing, right? And and so I, I, I think that the state has to put that on because the legislature you know, the Texas secretary, I'm, I've, I've like started eight sentences. So here's where I will start now. Um, <laughs> the Texas secretary of state's office is actually a lot weaker than most secretaries of state sure. across the country, right? A lot of other secretaries of state can tell counties do this. Ours can't, right? It is an appointed position. Counties have most of the power. They're basically a figurehead, right? They manage training. They manage like legislative changes, but they're not involved in the day-to-day workings of that office. Mm-hmm. And so the state was the one who'd entered the agreement with Eric, but they were pushing it out to all the counties. And so now they were, they're just not getting any of that. And I, and I think um, 
And, and you know, I, I think that, that the Texas Secretary of State's office has found itself in a really bad position but because they didn't want this to happen either. But we're looking into options, it seems like, endlessly here as we are in a major election year and you have, you know, the top of this state that has brought up you know, voter integrity, uh, we need to secure elections, yeah. we need to make sure that, you know, the rolls or whatever, that dead people aren't voting. And, and, and they've said this over and over and over again out of the 2020 election, and yet the irony is we pulled out of the thing that was doing that job and we're still, quote, searching for options. And I asked for a timeline, like, when do you think you guys might have something? There was no answer to that. Right, three weeks from Never. Well, right? I, I don't want to defend the SOS here, but this is a legislative issue. Oh, it absolutely this is, is a This comes down to the legislature. So what's right. going to happen next year, 2025, after the 24 election here? The legislature has to address this, either rejoin Eric or go somewhere else. But there's nowhere else there's to go. There's nowhere else to go. And, it, and we can't start our own because everyone else is already kind of in their own little corners right now. They right? are. Everybody's in their own little corners. So the, what does the legislature do then? Because I know you started three more sentences right there. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the leg I mean, the legislature could fix this. They could. What could they do? They could tell us we could go back to Eric. And that would be the only real way to solve it. I mean, the, the other thing is that, you know, all of these little, there are, there are little programs like Eagle AI, I mentioned that earlier, that are sort of like popping up around the country. These are typically run by the same people who are agitating against Eric. So they have like a financial incentive to yeah. do that. Um, and But at the end of the day, the programs that they are building are flatly not secure, right? Like we can't be sending our voter data with like full social security numbers through like unprotected servers with no passwords. Some guy in and, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. some guy right. in Alabama. And so, you know, we have an obligation to voters to make sure that their data is being stored securely. And so it's not just that there, it, it's not that there are no alternatives to Eric, because in theory there are, right? Like Eagle AI presents itself as an alternative to Eric. It is not an alternative to Eric. It would be a compliance disaster. Uh, the state mm. would get sued immediately. Well, and you have all these Republican-led states who've pulled out. Is there, even if there is a, let's say, legitimate alternative to Eric, which, as you're saying, does not exist right now, even if there were one, is it helpful? Is it dangerous? Is it a slippery slope to go... Well, you know, a bunch of red states are going to use this system. A bunch of blue states are going to use this system over here. It's it's a further polarization and uh, of of our our politics and our elections here, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I I do, and I think that that's sort of the natural, like that's the logical extension of what's happening now. Is more and more Republican states are going to leave. That will make it more acceptable for them to continue to do so. Democrats will dig their heels in. Maybe at some point Republicans will create something else. But if those two programs don't talk to each other each of the programs is, is much less effective than it could be. And they won't talk to each other, certainly. So, of course, we have an election coming up now. We talked about November, but Super Tuesday is coming up in, what, two and a half weeks or so. Uh, early voting starts Tuesday. What are you going to be watching for? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be watching two things. I'm going to be watching Gillespie County. Uh, and I'll Which tell you is, why. That's where Fredericksburg is. Yeah, Central Texas. Central Texas. And I will and I will also be watching the primary, the Republican primary in Travis County. And I will be watching both of those because both of those places have decided to hand count all of their ballots. Mm. Uh, let me offer like one clarification. Travis County was like, oh, yeah, we're totally going to do that. And then they realized how hard it was going to be. And they said, OK, we're only going to count the early ballots that come in by mail. So now they're going to count a couple of thousand. So they'll be fine. They'll probably. have a week to do that. They'll right? have a week to do yeah. it. They'll have plenty of time. Gillespie County is going to make 
all of its people cast paper ballots that they're going to have to count by hand at the precincts, and all of those results are going to have to be tallied and verified and submitted by law by 7 p.m. the next day. And Gillespie, they're not going to do it. And, and that will delay results statewide, I guess, yeah. but they're not a huge player. But Gillespie County, isn't that the county where everyone quit? Yes. That's the, the, the entire elections office just walked out. The entire, we, we wrote about this a couple of years ago. The The previous elections director in Gillespie County was this really competent woman named Anna, uh, Anissa Herrera. And she was, she was serving in that position for a long time. She'd been involved in elections in Gillespie County for a really long time. Her family was from there. Um, and she was run out, and I'm not kidding, by some activists who were really mad about the outcome of a vote on whether to keep fluoride in the county water system. And so these folks were convinced that the election was flawed. They demanded recounts. They took Gillespie County to court. Anissa Herrera got accosted in parking lots. She was only making forty thousand dollars a year, right? Like this is not this is not a this is not a job you are paid well enough to get screwed with yeah, doing, and right? Accosted in parking. Yeah, lots. and so she quit. Um, and the two part-time employees that worked for her office, both of whom made less than twenty dollars an hour, walked out with her. And so for a long time, the county didn't really have anybody running elections at all. And now they do have someone else, and they are making it systematically almost impossible for him to do his job. And, and they so, got, they, and, and they so got they're going to go the back SOS in time and just yeah, do, do paper, paper ballots, ballots yeah, and, and count they, by hand. You know, and they gave, they, one of their precinct chairmen gave us this hilarious quote when Natalia wrote this story and he was just like, you know, if you can go one, two, three, four, five, you can hand count. It's not that hard. We're going to be fine. And that's not at all what hand counting looks like. Like, think about the ballots that you cast, right? There, It's not just like, you're not just like, oh, president and now I'm done, right? Yeah. There are so many options on there. You're not counting one ballot. You're counting 30 bubbles. How are they going to get that done in yeah. a day? They're not. They can't. It's mathematically impossible. And then what happens? Then they delay their results and probably end up having to tabulate machine but ballots by machine anyway. But then you spawn conspiracy theories. Oh. If there's not a decision, as we've seen within one day, you start or even that night, as we saw in 2020, if, if the results start to still come in the next day, which they do or days after, you start seeing conspiracy, conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories off the wall. Yeah. And, and so you know, they're, they're actually creating conspiracy theories. They're creating theories conspiracy theories. And I'm, I'm actually interested in how this will play out. Like I I would bet my life savings it's not going to end well for them. Um, but, you know. <laughs> what does that, what does um, that mean? <laughs> like, they're not going to do a good job on this, right? Like, they're going to lose ballots. They're going to, there's going to be lines because people are going to be, they have, so in order to do hand counting, like in Dallas County, for example, you can go anywhere to vote, right? You can go to any vote center. They print your ballot off right there. You cannot do that in a hand counting facility. You have to count everything by precinct. So people have to go to their precinct, which they've not done in Gillespie County, right? They will have to cast a ballot, not on a device that they're used to using. It's, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. People are wow. going to be so mad. And I, I think it's going to end really badly for them. But I think what I'm what I'm interested in watching is what happens after that, because there have been a couple of other attempts to do like hand counting, but they haven't been under the gun like this one will be right. Like there was um, a place in Nevada tried to do this. The ACLU sued and shut it down before they got a chance to finish. When they were shutting down, they already had a 25% error rate, right? So 25% yeah. error rate? So arguably the ACLU shut it down Jeez. before they like totally ruined it. But, right, the good news is that these are paper ballots, right? We can count them again. Like yeah. it might take longer. We can do it again. This is injecting so much chaos into the process. But 
this is going to play out all the way to the end, right? Like this isn't going to be stopped by the ACLU. This is not going to be, this isn't going to be litigated. There's no law against this in Texas. The parties can do their primaries in whatever manner they choose to. And so this is going to play out to the end. And I will be interested to see if the people who are banging on about hand counting being the next coming will right. realize that they're wrong. Wait, so is this only the Republican primary in Gillespie County that's doing this versus the Democratic uh, primary is going to be done the traditional way yep. with the machines and counting and so forth? This is going to be interesting. Yeah, to it's going to be awful, right? Because you're like you're going to go to the polls. The Democrats have one polling place. The Republicans have another polling place. You're casting ballots in two different ways. The county is helping the Democrats right. because they've contracted with the county to do that, like most parties do. The GOP has just been like, no, we'll do it ourselves. It'll be fine. We're going to count these ballots at a church tonight. Hmm. Wow. So let's talk about turnout here. The, there's not really a Republican race for president. <laughs> I mean, the, the last poll I saw, uh, University of Houston, I think Hobby School of Public Affairs showed Trump with close. four out of five of, of Republican primary voters. Of course, the Democrats have a, a, a big race in, in the race for U.S. Senate. What do you expect turnout to be like, though? Because this is kind of a different Super Tuesday than we normally see every four years. This is a different Super Tuesday. I'm like, I'm, I'm candidly not expecting particularly high participation, right? This is... This is the most boring election ever, right? <laughs> uh, I, it, it's it's like, oh, great, these two dudes again. Uh -huh. And I, I, you know, nobody is nobody is making decisions about their candidate at this point. And so we're going to get through the presidential preference primary. It's going to end exactly how we all think it's going to end. Yeah. Um, and Gillespie County will, you know, be tallying. And that'll be the story of the, the night. Year, and maybe of the week. <laughs> yeah, that'll be it, right? So I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to play out exactly as people think that it's going to, right? Like, if there aren't particularly competitive races in Texas right now, that, that's going to depress turnout. Um, but... You know, we'll see. The political climate is, is so fascinating right now in Texas. I, I'm, I'm willing to be surprised. You would describe it as fascinating. I don't know what word I would use to describe well, and, the political climate here. And I think that at the, at the beginning here, you said that, you know, here we are in February. We've got all the way through November to think about here. And you said that 2024, I mean, even more than 2020 is shaping up to just be kind of nuts. Kind of nuts. I mean, so one thing I do want people to remember about like the difference between 2024 and 2020, even though it seems like emotionally more terrifying <laughs> because like we're all like looking at this stuff and thinking about it. We are not in a pandemic, right? Like that election administrators are able to conduct an election not in a pandemic is going to give them so much more breathing room oh, yeah. to think about all of these other stupid problems we've been talking about, right? And so they will like our elections will happen it will yeah. be fine right um but this year is is going it's going to drag on and i think that by the end of november voters are going to be really discouraged and so it will be interesting to see how that how that has like how that plays with voter turnout do you think harris county has its issues figured out it's hard to say um you know the the last countywide election that they did went just fine, but it was an incredibly low turnout election that was not particularly competitive, and those aren't particularly difficult elections to run, you sure. know what I mean? Um, so I will be interested to see how things go for them on on Super Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's not going to be a particularly high turnout there, right. um, and, and so I think they'll probably, it, it, like, the silver line here is that they, they've been allowed to sort of, like, ramp up slowly right so before they do 2024 they're going to have done the election from la the 2023 election they're going to do this primary they're going to do some local elections like they may not be up and running now but i am hopeful that the offices will 
sort of coalesce by by November. They've got some time. Um, to finish up here, you know, back to Eric, uh, you all have talked to some smart people uh, about this system and, and, you know, what Texas is going to do after this. Uh, even if Texas figures out a way to patchwork, cobble something together, um, is there a good chance that Texas ends up spending a lot more money than they were just to be an Eric in the first place? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, you know, I think one of the things that Republicans like to say was like, oh, it costs us so much money to be an Eric every year. And I, and I think that the total cost was something like $180,000 a year. And if you think about the fact that we have 254 counties, none of whom have to have a full-time person doing that job because that is how long it would take them to do, we are saving so much more than that amount of money. Like the amount of resources we know that we're saving because we have clean voter rolls, like that $160,000 pays for itself very quickly. And and I think the short-sighted you know, oh my God, that seems like such a big number. It, data costs money. Like it costs so much money. And if I said, hey, $160,000 to a presidential campaign for all of their list buying, they'd be like, that's hilarious. Yeah, right. <laughs> like we can't, we can't do any voter outreach with that. Well, yeah. my other question with that though is, you know, you've got Republican leaders in this state and I would think that they would have wanted to, let's keep everything exactly as it is because in 2022, they rolled in this state. In those midterm elections, Republicans just hammered Democrats. Uh, you know, if, if you're in that party, do you just go, hey, whatever's in place right now, leave it in place because it's clearly working. It's not like somebody else is getting some great advantage out of something. This is something that puzzles me about voting all the time, right? So, like, you can look at any reasonable political science research study and it will tell you that like these random laws that people pass like restricting voting don't have as much of an impact as they think and so in in certain ways republicans have been like bucking logic on their voter positions for years right because they're they're agitating and they're saying hey this is resulting in lots of this and lots of that and it's not happening right it's not happening they're not the impacts that they claim are happening because of lack of voter id or moving polling places not happening and they haven't been threatened they've been dominant they've in this state all across government for more than two decades and so this is just i think a continuation of that for them this is a really powerful political talking point mm. um and i think that they're going to ride it to the end and you know there's only so it, it you can only tell your voters that the system is messed up for so long before they start participating and so if they want to they've keep had that their, issue yeah yeah and so if they want to keep that dominance that you're talking about they're going to have to they're going to have to stop hurting themselves you said right it to the end what is the end though I think we're looking at a real reckoning in the Republican Party on these issues. Um, I think we're we're already seeing it a little bit at the national level, right? We, you can just look at the Speaker of the House, right, and see that there's like massive Republican infighting. That yeah. Texas is not is not immune from that, right? There is a huge arm of the Republican Party that wants to relitigate 2020 over and over and sure. over again, and then there is the less conservative ones that don't. And and so that's going to... Well, we saw the, the, tweet, the tweet battles. battle. Yeah. Yeah, we saw the tweet battle with John Cornyn yeah. and, and Ken Paxton. Oh, they're eating each other uh, alive. The other day, yeah, too. they're going to eat each other alive. Two Republicans from two different parts of the uh, of the Republican Party of It's Texas. all spilling out, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to I want to finish with this right here. You said finish about five minutes ago. I know. Man. I'm going to uh, finish a third time <laughs> now. Uh, uh, so uh, I, when I sent this... Uh, 
you know, request to the Secretary of State's office here, you know, I just asked him, like, do you guys have something in the pipeline? Is there something already up and running? Do you have a timeline, et cetera? You know, didn't really get into other states or things like that. I thought it was interesting that unsolicited, part of their answer here is that they said, um, even at its most popular, not all states participated in ERIC, including large states like California. They, they told me that. I you know, didn't ask, but they told me that. And it made me think, wow, Texas is comparing itself to California or sort of justifying something that it's doing, saying, hey, California's doing the same thing. You don't often see that here in Texas. Like, oh, California's doing it, so we're going to do it. No, you don't. Or California's not doing it, so we're not going to do it. So we'll follow suit, right? You would think they'd be like, great, let's do it. That Um, that one just really struck me, especially since I didn't mention California or any other states or anything like that. I I just thought that's interesting. It's a very popular talking point, right? Like when you say to these Republican secretaries, as I have done, right? you're ruining things. They're mm-hmm. like, no, California is ruining things. Mm-hmm. California can't participate in ERIC because of technical technical limitations, not because they don't want to. And so it's it's a little bit of a of a silly point Yeah, you can't compare there. the two. Wow. What else do you have, Jason? That is it. You sure? Uh, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> you have your computer open, like a tablet here with all your stuff? Well, you know, the thing is, I do have my computer open here on the table. Uh, and, and sadly, your phone was leaning up against it. And here's how triggered I am. Mm. I noticed the vibration from that phone many times during this podcast. Was it, was it just shaking your screen just oh a little bit? Gosh. No, it was the table. Did you feel it? <gasps> no, I didn't. I'm not as I, I did. I didn't either. How are you getting home today? Telling huh? you. How are you getting home? <laughs> Maybe I'll have you drive me, yeah. except I won't be able to handle all the dings that go off in the car. We'll call you a car, man. Yeah. Just, hey, I just like you. You to need be like left alone. Uber Comfort silent mode, right? Oh like quiet gosh. preferred. They need to like give him a shot, like B.A. Baracus in the A team, so he can just relax on the way home, and then yeah, not you just show idea. up there, right? Not a bad idea. Jessica Huzman, editorial director at uh, Vote Beat. Thanks so much. Thank you. As always, for your insight. Yeah, very informative. This is the Super Bowl for you. So I know we'll be talking to you later this year. Oh man, we've got to just keep yeah. on like talking with you throughout the year. All of this stuff is fascinating. Yeah. This is going to be a fascinating uh, and we say this every time but it just like gets more and more so every election god everything just gets weirder it's like we're just like living in i uh, i don't know like the ceiling could open i would be like oh of course sure um so yeah walk right in right it's gonna be hell of a year yeah (laughs) click subscribe and get yolitics every week eolitics the unofficial political podcast of texas